Hello, everyone. Another fantastic episode to launch our 2023 season. I could not think of a better person than Zach Bailey. Zach is up in Canada, but he brings a lot of light and a lot of warmth way down here in the U.S. How is he doing that? Well, he's got the elite self-coaching program based in three pillars of performance. One is health and fitness. The other is mindset and state of being, and the other one is energy and self-confidence. So I know there is a ton of personal growth and development dialogue that we can have around those topics because they align well with my passions also. So let's just get started with this conversation with one of today's most innovative and inspiring entrepreneurs, Zach Bailey. Here we go. Mr. Edwin, how's it going, my man? What is up, Zach? What an absolute privilege to have a chance to speak with you, man. Thank you so much for saying yes. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, I resonate with with what you got going on. And like I mentioned, I'm, I'm hoping to bring some awesome value for your, for your people today, man. Oh, fantastic. Well, Zach, um, I connected with you back in 2021, I believe. I became aware of Zach Bailey, and it was through Kevin Hanus, actually. Um, Kevin's been on the show twice. He and I share a background in pharmacy. So I've known Kevin a little bit longer. But when I looked at um, lo looked at who Kevin surrounds himself with, you know, those are people I need to be paying attention to. And of course, there you are in 2021 on a mm -hmm. beach with a lot of other incredible entrepreneurs. And I said, I, you know, I'm just going to follow Zach and see uh, what I can learn about him. And I've become more and more captivated over time. So kudos to you for the way you show up, your proliferative way of, of shining your light in this world. I, I see you, man. And thank you for being on the show to share it with the listening audience. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I mean, birds of the same feather flock together, right? And uh, <laughs> that's cool. I didn't know you knew Kevin. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Kevin... We met for the first time in, in 2021 in person. And obviously when you're like-minded with people like that, it just, it just connects, you know, so happy to connect, man. Happy to be here. Well, fantastic. Well, you know, you, you're doing a lot in the world right now. I mean, when I look at, at the elite self-coaching program, the elite self army, the elite self show, um, and your post, particularly the ones that captivate me or how you post about creating vision. You've got a lot going on, but there's a story that stimulated all of this. And out of insatiable curiosity, I don't know that story of mm -hmm. what what made Zach show up in the world this way. It, it, there, there's got to be an instigating moment. Yeah. And now that you mentioned it, it's probably a fault of mine for not making that more clear on social. They say that half of social media is, you know, connecting and like sharing your story and things of this nature. So admittedly, like that's that's certainly an area of opportunity for me. But in regards to my story, you're right. It was kind of weird the way the cookies crumbled for me in particular, as it is for everybody. Everyone has their unique story. Um, so backtracking, the most relevant place to start was is probably high school. Um, in high school, like throughout, throughout my entire schooling, I was a pretty average student, I would say, you know, like kind of like 60s, 70s, just kind of average um, run-of-the-mill grades. And that was kind of my identity. And then that switched when in grade 12, I decided I wanted to go into engineering at the University of Manitoba. Uh, and to do that, I needed a very high average. I, and I think I needed like a 94% average across uh, physics, chemistry, and pre-cal, pre-calculus. 
And so I, I just made a switch in my mind. I went from like a bad student to like a good student, just out of necessity, because I finally had a reason to. And at the time, uh, you know, chemist, like physics, math, it was kind of like, I was good at it. It was, it kind of meshed with my brain a little bit. And in particular, I really enjoyed the idea of designing supercars. I, I loved drawing cars, like Ferraris, Lambos, like those type of things. I was loving that. And so my idea was to go into mechanical engineering and eventually like either like design cars or, or be in the aerodynamics department or something of this nature. So that was my, uh, that was my kind of gateway into engineering. And so long story short, I stepped up to the plate, got into engineering, but during that, like the second I hit engineering, my, my external source of motivation disappeared because I was in the program and boom, I became a bad student, uh, even worse than before. Like before I was run of the mill, now I was just straight up bad. Like I didn't apply myself. Uh, I was playing hockey. I was, I was partying a little bit and hanging out with the wrong crowd. And I was even like, I had low integrity at that point in my life too. I was copying off friends assignments in order to, you know, barely get by. And I just, I, I was barely passing. It was, and this led to a lot of anxiety. It led to, it led to a point of like, what am I even doing here? Like, what's, <laughs> what's going on with my life? Like, what, what am I even doing? And I, I remember this, this one point I was in my room and I was just crying because I was like, I was just so confused, kind of lost. And it's not that engineering wasn't the right thing for me. It's just that I didn't apply myself to the vehicle. And therefore that led to the burnout. You know, I feel, I feel like there's a handful of vehicles that we all could have pursued in our lives where it probably would have worked out, but life just kind of plays chess with you and, and governs you into these little, little key moments in your life where you make a decision. And that was one of these for me. At that point, I, I started dropping out, started to become a very prevalent option in my mind. And I didn't, it was, I, and I, long story short, I did drop out. It wasn't like a, a clear cut, I'm going to drop out. I'm going to, you know, pursue this and do that. It was a very messy, unplanned process for me. And at the time, there was a lot of pain associated with it because everyone around me pretty much uh, kind of disagreed with the decision. Um, specifically, my mom, she very, you know, uh, explicitly disagreed with the decision. In fact, she's actually, she actually works in post-secondary, which made the decision much harder because she was like fully in line with that form of education. And I dropped out. There's a lot of pain there. Looking back, that was one of the most pivotal decisions I ever made. Um, and then from that point, that's when things really started to get interesting with me. I started to like go deep into personal growth. I started to, I started like three, four different initiatives at the time. I became a in-person trainer at Good Life Fitness. Um, at the same time, I started developing this app. I wanted to develop a social media platform for fitness that would kind of like rival Instagram in, in that way. Um, and it's safe to say I didn't necessarily do a SWOT analysis. I had minimal business, uh, you know, intellect at the time. So whether that was a perfectly like solidified business plan or not is besides the point, but I started that. I also started day trading, like stock trading. Um, and I also started, what was the other thing I started? Me and my brother did an e-commerce store for like two seconds. Like the mindset at the time was get rich quick. That was like, that was like, okay, I'm dropping out of university. How do I really accelerate, you know, my, my, the way that I'm perceived in society by my parents, by my friends, by society. like, how do I succeed? That was my mindset when I dropped out. And from that point on, I also started getting really into self growth. And during this period, and this was like 20, you know, I, I, my first two, my, I did my two years of university, 2016, 2017, this was like 2018. I started getting really into self growth, started all these initiatives. And I started to get really into like, you know, morning routines and meditation and 
and and um, you know limiting social media usage to a very aggressive extent. And I started to go go on the inside and start reading and and things of this nature. And during this time, I didn't realize it, but this was setting very vital foundation for the rest of my life. Even though during the time I was like, oh, okay, this isn't working out, and I don't really see success here, and you know I'm still broke, and and all these all of these arbitrary success metrics weren't being checked. But I was I was building myself from the inside out, and this was and this was super crucial. And in fall of 2019 bringing us closer to uh, my current venture, I decided to stop the in-person training job at Good Life. And I decided to go all in on the app that I was creating. So that was going to be my one and only venture, going to double down on it, going to go for it, right? And I found out shortly after I quit that uh, the company that I was developing the app with, they only needed my attention once every two weeks for like a checkup to, for me to say like, okay, this is going well, we should change this, let's do that. And then, so I'm like, okay, so I have that one every two weeks. What else am I going to do? So I started a online fitness business kind of at a default um, as like, just like some kind of thing to make a few extra bucks on the side. And that quickly kind of became my main thing. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I actually hired a mentor two weeks into my online training business, the same mentor that uh, Kevin had actually when he started. And so that was one of the better decisions I made as well. And essentially, from that standpoint, leading up to where I currently am, at the time, like I said, when I when I left all the other like things behind, and I started this online fitness business, at the start, like I said, it was just it was just a vehicle to make a few bucks on the side, just I I was good at it. Fitness, by the way, has always been the thing for me, it's just been easy, like it's just been that one positive element in my life. That's always been there. I've never struggled with it. It's just been the one positive thing. And this is, is in large part due to the fact that, uh, you know, my mom, she, she used to be a personal trainer. She kind of showed my brother and I how to work out at when we were in like middle school and we did sports and like all this stuff. So it was, it was kind of like a natural progression that way, but going into 2019, this was my only venture now. And it started, like I said, just as a fitness business, but like I say, with personal growth, your vision, your clarity of your vision and your purpose unravels itself as you stake, as you take steps forward through execution in your business and also through execution in your self growth. So at the start, I was, you know, a less developed version of myself. I just wanted to make a few bucks on the side. Fast forward, this is 2019, fast forward to now, which is like three, three years and change later, it, it turned from just being a, a vehicle to make a few bucks on the side to be the vehicle to where we're going to help solve all major world problems. We're going to contribute to that. And this, this doesn't just happen. Like it, it just, I, what my hypothesis is when you fully apply yourself to some type of vehicle, you go all in, you go all in on your self-development, that your true mission in life, the true essence of what you were put here to do un, unveils itself along the way. It's like driving on the highway at night. You can only see more road as you drive further ahead. And that was kind of like a blurry line too. You ask, like, you're, you're curious about how I kind of got to this current version, it was such a blurry line. All the things that I've mentioned so far contributed, dropping out contributed, going through that pain, doubling down on my own self-growth right at a university, um, thinking big, not willing to face judgment for thinking big, um, you know, all these things and just executing the business, it all kind of contributed, it all kind of comes together. That's why I said that the cookie was pretty messy the way it crumbled, but, you know, I'm happy the way it, it, it happened. And, you know, I could have been graduating from engineering this year. So <laughs> I'm glad the way things turned out. That's incredible. Man, I hope you have the rest of the evening 
open because there is so much to unpack from <laughs> from your story. I'm not I'm not sure if we're going to get there, uh, but I'm, I'm curious about a ton of things. So, so decision is something that's really a curiosity for me. How people make decisions that are so cut and dry for them that they transform the very next step that they take. So at some point you made that, that decision to be a better student. Let's start with that decision mm -hmm. that I think your words were, um, you had a reason to, so out of mm -hmm. necessity, you made a decision to be a better student. What do you think are the obstacles in people's way today? And let's just use the health and fitness industry where you're an expert. Mm -hmm. What are the obstacles that keep people from making that decision that truly is when you think about it and you, you reflect back on it, I had to do it out of necessity. A lot of people do in health and fitness because of, you know, health related problems, heart attack, et cetera. They're compelled to make a decision, but they can't make it before they're required to mm -hmm. help me with that. Yeah. So I think it boils down to this balance of pain and pleasure. Tony Robbins says that this is kind of like the, the driving force of our entire lives. The reason why I think I was able to do that is because up until that point, I attached more pain to being a good student than pleasure. To be a good student, it required discipline, it required hard work, it required all these things. I'd rather just play Call of Duty and eat McDonald's, right? That, that's, that feels a lot more pleasurable. But the second engineering came in the picture, this, the, the equation shifted. Now, there was much more pain affiliated with not getting into engineering, disappointing myself, disappointing my parents, uh, not fulfilling this trajectory of life I know I'm capable of. The pain associated with not doing that is much more than the pain associated with actually just studying each day, right? Mm -hmm. And so same thing with health and fitness. I mean, a lot of people associate a lot of pain with losing weight, like eating a certain way, um, you know, going to the gym, especially people that are just starting the journey and haven't really, you know, got their feet wet yet. There's a lot of pain and discomfort associated with that. And a lot of it's just perceived, but they don't know that. So either way, there's a lot of pain associated with beginning this journey and, and doing the things that are necessary to achieve their goal. The people that not only create change with their health and fitness or anything else in their lives, but sustain it, they learn to attach much more pain to not changing than they do to changing the pain of not change. And this is why, like, for example, in like my sales process of, with new clients and also just with my clients, once they're in the program or just anybody who asks for my advice, just, just via, you know, Instagram or something like this, I get them to get in touch with the cost of not changing because this is pain. This is potent psychological fuel that a person must tap into if they're going to get themselves to move because anybody can override their short-term sense of pain and, and deploy discipline, deploy willpower, but that runs out. And eventually the pain of changing just eventually just overtakes and, and people fall off. We see this, the vast percentage of people's health and fitness journeys entails some variant of this. So getting in touch with the health and fitness example, what is the pain of not changing? If you're currently 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds overweight, what is this pain that is on your track if you do not change? We look at, we can look at sickness, we look at low energy, we look at premature death. Um, we look at not fulfilling your full potential. We, we look about uh, low confidence, low self-esteem. Okay, let's, let's take it a step deeper. What are the results of those things? And how do they affect other people? What is the result of this on your family, on your family members? 
Well, if you're overweight, you may not attract your dream partner. You're never going to create the family, the quality of family that you truly want. You're never going to set the example like you truly want to for your kids. Um, you're going to die. So you're not going to be able to see your kids graduation. And I could go, I could go on for hours of examples of types of pain. You get the point. But once you get in touch with that, going for a half an hour walk or a workout doesn't seem so bad. So it's just that balance of pain and pleasure. And on the other side too, creating massive pleasure with changing. So we took, we, we, we looked at it. We're like, okay, the pain of changing is this. Let's ramp up the pain of not changing. Let's get really familiar with that. Cause the pain's there. You just need to, you just need to admit it. You just need to acknowledge it and boom, you can't unsee that. Right. And then on the other side of the equation, let's attach a lot of pleasure to the new behaviors we want to adapt. So what you, so the, in, in the fit, in the fitness example, what is the pleasure associated with getting fit? What will you be able to do with, with that extra energy, with that extra vitality, with that confidence? How's that going to affect you as an entrepreneur or as an employee? How's that going to affect your relationships? What you're able to do? Let's get really in touch with that. And then eventually this plain, this uh, pain and pleasure equation becomes in favor of creating the results you want, as opposed to contradictory to it. And then it, then it becomes like you're swimming with the tide as opposed to against it. So I think that amongst many other things, that's one of the main roadblocks people have to making the decision that, and, and then actually executing on the change they want to experience. Yeah, I appreciate that, Zach, a lot, because I've seen your recent post about vision. And I, with all of my coaching clients, a visioneering process is part of the program, right? You have to know where mm -hmm. you're going or else any road will get you there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, which comes first, though? I mean, you, you have people, um, that for lack of a better term, I'll say suffering with their current health condition. They might, um, I, I guess I'm curious, do people see the vision first and then are compelled to, to get in balance with pain and pleasure? Or do they mm -hmm. get pain and pleasure in balance first and then they can focus on vision? Um, are they mutually exclusive? Uh, I don't believe that they are mutually exclusive. I think that I think that's important to have some type of North Star, but ultimately, ultimately, you leverage whatever you need to when you're when you're starting out. So for example, like my my motivation now isn't the same as my motivation was, you know, a few years ago. Now I'm now I'm pulled to to achieve something massive, which is helping to solve all the world's problems. That wasn't the same leverage I had on myself when I first started. Before I just wanted to make a few bucks, right? And maybe like make make the people around me like proud, right? And so the pain and pleasure uh equation is much different now if a person is just starting out in their health and fitness journey they may not have the vision yet that they want to be this incredibly vital fit athletic person they just want they just want to be able to get off the couch right so in that equation the pain of not being able to get off the couch is needs to be less than the pain or the needs to be greater than the pain of 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 of, of changing right the pain of, of the pain of what you're currently missing out on needs to be greater than the pain of, of, of just, of just, of, of, of actually doing it. Right. So, and that would be a very, like, like, you know, like it's like within like three feet of your radar, that pain sure. and pleasure equation. And then you go handle that. Boom. You lose like 10 pounds or maybe you do some functional, you know, strength training and boom, you're able to do that. Now you're like, okay, what else can I do? Like, Oh wait, the pain of having even just a little bit of extra fat on me is, is now like pretty painful. Before I would have been happy with this, but now that that's painful. I don't like this. I know I'm capable of more. So the more you progress in your journey, 
And then maybe like once they get like less fat, now they can see, wow, I'm capable of those things. I'm going to go, I'm going to shoot for the moon. And that point I think is different for everybody. There could be a 300 pound person who sees the end vision of stepping on a bodybuilding stage from square one. Person B might just see being able to get off the couch. So I think it's different person to person. They, they just have to know, I think the direction they want to head in and then handle the diff- the associated pain and pleasure equations along the way as they face them, if that makes sense. Yeah, Zach, that resonates a lot because I'm a firm believer that people get so caught up in knowing or needing to know every step on the journey mm-hmm. in order to get mm-hmm. to the outcome that that is overwhelming for them to even contemplate versus just narrowing your focus to 10 feet in front of your face. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I only really am responsible in the present for that very next step, not all 3,000 steps, if you will. Do you have a hard time um, um, switching people's gaze from far out to to right close by? I mean, is that a, a hard stretch for people to make sometimes? Yeah, and I find that a lot of people aren't really in touch with their vision. You might have found the same thing that with with like what they're truly capable of, not a lot of people actually see that for themselves until they take a few steps forward in their journey. Like you might see it as, the, as their coach. You might be like, wow, I can see this person's potential. I could see their gift. I could see the type of life and the type of impact that they could create. They don't see that yet. All they see is who they're not or or this little problem that, that's ahead of them. And, and again, it's person to person, but a lot of people, if you just get them progressing along the journey, get them out of stagnancy, get them into momentum and be like, look, you're in momentum now. You're going to make this progress. You're going to hit this milestone. You're going to hit this milestone. What do you want to achieve in life? Like a, a common way that I frame this question is like a conversation between you and yourself. Your parents aren't there. Your friends aren't there. Social media isn't there. This is a, this conversation between you and yourself. What do you want to achieve? If nothing was impossible, if you didn't have, you know, those limiting beliefs, what, what do you want to achieve? Just like rip it, let it rip for me. Just like, don't hold back. No filters, zero. And then boom, something comes out of their mouth that maybe they have been scared to admit is actually their vision. Because once you admit it's your vision, there's a plate to step up to, but it's, it's, you get the person in a, in a place of momentum and, and you leverage that to, to get them to articulate their, their main vision. And then boom, that's, that's their, now their North star and, and the North star can change, but it's what's meaningful for them right now. And then that doesn't have to be the focus on a day-to-day basis. There's going to be those hard days or those hard weeks where, you know, even, even me, I'm like, where I'm trying to help solve all the world's problems. Like some, I'm not focused on that some of the time. Some of the time I'm just focused on simply showing up, simply getting my workouts in, simply showing up for a podcast the best way I can, simply just doing these granular things that I know are moving me in the right direction. And then, you know, I lift my gaze up at the end of the week and be like, hell yeah, we are moving towards this. Let's go. So it's, I, I, do, I do think it's, it's you got to lift your head up, but then put it back down and, and, and take some steps forward at the same time. I think that is so wise. Um, I, I, I am blanking on who gets credit for this, so forgive me, but there was a formula <laughs> that was um, shown to me at um, a John Maxwell conference. And the formula was focused intention over time multiplied times the power of belief, or in John Maxwell's mm. context, it was God, um, mm. equals momentum. So focused intention mm. over time multiplied times something really powerful like God yes. or belief equals momentum. So I appreciate what you said that for most people, the vision needs to be momentum first. 
so that your vision can truly open up to what's possible. So momentum first, then possibility. And yeah, I think people are bypassing the momentum part and not realizing that's in their control and it's right in front of them. Um, one yeah. step at a time, right? Yeah, I agree, man. And with my with my story in particular, I I and people have these different levels of feeling their vision. Like for me, I even when I was in engineering and before I entered engineering, I knew that there was some type of spark in me, a spark that I'm sure you felt, and I'm sure that a lot of your clients and a lot of your audience feel. Some people are further along the journey of actually materializing that spark and stepping into it. Some people right now, it's just like a little thing that they can barely feel inside them. But the important thing, and this is what I stress to people who come to me and say, like, I have no idea what to do. I'm transition transition between jobs. I'm in school. I'm not passionate about it. Like, I know I want to do something, but I'm just not sure. Keep moving forward. Keep, do not stay on the sidelines. Try, try this business. Try that business. Apply all of yourself to school. Whatever vehicle you're in, just give your all to it. And then you're going to switch and then you'll pivot and it's okay. But this is crucial development. Every step you take forward, like I said, is, is another layer that is being taken off and you'll eventually hit that spark and it'll become obvious to you, whether it's a certain vehicle or same vehicle, different mission or whatever that is, uh, it'll reveal itself. Just, just keep on moving forward, keep the momentum because like you said, that is certainly within your control. Yeah, that's probably the number one question I get as, as a men's coach is uh, around purpose. I, I don't mm -hmm. know what my purpose is. And I think most of the people that are asking me that problem believe they can think their way out of that mm -hmm. circumstance with the same level of thinking that got them into it, right? So it's all mm -hmm. a, a mental process for them to try to understand that, that, or they believe that their purpose is inside their head and they just have to, they have to synthesize it and then everything will make sense. I, I'm a firm believer that purpose is found on a journey, right? Through action. Mm -hmm you discover your purpose, not like it's a destination on a map, but it's revealed to you through experiences. And then your evaluation of those experiences, you know, change the rudder and the sail that move you in different directions where, you know, if you're lucky enough, I'm age 52, I think I found my purpose, but it took me 52 years to get here. I'm not suggesting you wait that long. I was blind for a, a, a good portion of that time. Yes. But I didn't take action to your point. So I think right. there's something magical there. Yeah, I think that's an incredibly articulate way to describe finding your purpose. And it, it's it's to no fault of these people either. I mean, like we, we're in a society where it's incredibly scary to jump out and to go try something. We have all these limiting beliefs. Uh, we're, we're operating with a 2,000-year-old ancient brain that's still looking for cyber uh, saber-toothed tigers that are going to kill us. Except in today's society, it, that wiring no longer serves us. We're not wired for happiness. We're wired for survival. But in, in, in regards to pursuing your purpose and, and starting a business or whatever it is, like we are going di directly contradictory to, to our wiring that's kept us alive for so many years. We need to die according to our nervous system is concerned in order to take steps forward. And it's so challenging because, you know, there's haters on social media. Your friends are going to judge you. Anyone who's close to you that's not pursuing their purpose will immediately shut you down because you trying to pursue your purpose will trigger inside them the fact that they're not pursuing theirs. And that will symptomize in them putting you down or them being a naysayer. If, of course, they're unconscious, this is just one example. But I mean, yeah, man, it, it's tough. You, you got you to battle some demons when you first start. I mean, you're, 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 you're facing your own inner doubts. You're facing doubts from the external. You're facing these scary statistics like 
you know, it's like what, whatever percent of people actually succeed in business. And, you know, you have people around you saying degrees are better and like universities forcing you into this specific route out of right out of high school. So the cards are stacked against you. So it's important that people like yourself are actually spreading this light for people and, and telling them it's actually not so bad. And the worst case scenario, you fail and you go back to your degree or whatever it is, but you just got to try. You got, you got to take one, one step forward and another one and another one and then fall down and then get up and then take another one. And that's, I think you're, you're completely right on that, man. Yeah, Zach, it's a, it's alarming how many young men are losing their lives um, mm -hmm. because they, they get to the bottom and they stay there and their choice it is is a binary choice. I, I quit or I don't. And and it alarms me at the number of people who are choosing the quit route, which is to take their life and end in the pain mm. and suffering. When I know there is abundance and joy and happiness there and they just can't see it. That keeps me up at night, worrying mm. about friends and and brothers in, in the network that you may not even know are suffering because we're so good at covering it up. I yeah. think there's, <clears throat> there, there, there's another life altering virus out there, unfortunately, and it's not COVID. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's more insidious yeah. and it, it scares me. Uh, and I, you know, when I read words that you post up about solving every single world problem uh, together, we can change the world. You know, that's, this this is a problem that I would I would love to know or, or love to be surrounded by people of your caliber to help solve for that problem. And I'm I'm curious what your perspectives are around suicide rates of, of young men these days. Yeah, so sure. Um in, in regards of yeah, I mean Tony Robbins, I, I I take a lot of inspiration from Tony Robbins. And admittedly, I've been I haven't had conversations with too many suicidal people. I've had one client um that we I've helped through it. Um, a lot of the times they think that they're in, they're in a state of learned helplessness, right? Where they think that their one problem they're having in their life, it's pervasive. It means that the rest of their life now sucks as well. And they also think that it's permanent. They it will think suck that they can't forevermore. Change. Yeah, it will suck forevermore and they can't do anything about it. And then, so they're like, okay, the rest, I, you know, the rest of my life consists of 50, 60, 80 more years of this pain. Why? What's the point? Right? So it, it's, it's crucial to to break those beliefs and and the best way to do that is by taking control of one little aspect of your life if you're you know suicidal and you've been fired and you just got you know divorced and like all these things are happening to you you know get to the gym do a workout or submit a resume or or something like this and, and prove to yourself that you you are in control like take get back in the driver's seat and push something forward and again, I'm, I'm, this is like an oversimplification of a lot of complex issues that these, these people are dealing with, but all in all, it, it's important to just realize that you can change your life. That vision that is in the far, far back corner of your life of, of happiness, of fulfillment, of love and connection, that's still in the deck. That's still possible, but you just need to believe that taking one step forward today and another one tomorrow is actually going to lead towards that. Because they say that in order to to move through the pain of today, we need a compelling future. So I think that that just focusing what's I guess that's been the punchline of our of our call so far is just focusing what's what's within your control today, and that's really all that's really all you can do. Yeah, um, and that, uh, you being in control might simply be asking for help. That, mm, that's mm -hmm. an action, right? True, true. You don't have to have the answer to to your situation. You can yeah. simply bring someone else in to uh, uh to lean on 
until you know what the very next step is. Again, mm-hmm. not every other one. So I, that's hard to do in the darkness. So I appreciate yeah. having lights out there like you, Zach, that, that are consistently um, putting that out into the world about what what is possible. So thank you for that. And I love Tony Robbins. I think he was on the news the other day and the question, or this was at the beginning of the year and the newscaster asked him, Tony, what what can we do to guarantee success in 2023? And without hesitation he said create a compelling vision Mm. for your future and i was just like yeah there you go tony there you go keep preaching it brother yeah Um, yeah. look i want to be respectful of your time i I can keep going a very long time talking about uh, my love language which is all of this stuff but zach Mm -hmm. if people want to find you and they want to learn more about solving the world's problems they want to join the the elite self army they want to be part of a coaching program to be better in body mind and spirit um how can they find you yeah for sure and by the way i have the next half hour slotted off as well so we can go as long as you need to oh fantastic um, brilliant yeah yeah um in regards of how to find me yeah i mean i'm mainly active on instagram at uh zach r bailey z-a-c-h-r bailey and you know, I have, I have a YouTube channel as well that I'm starting to upload more content on more like longer form content. So if that's more your, your deal, I'm there as well. Uh, we also have the elite self show. All of this is accessible through my Instagram. So I guess just my personal Instagram, Zach R Bailey would be the best way to go about it. Um, in regards of the elite self army, I, I know you mentioned that that's kind of one, that's one of our main public vessels to help solve all the world's problems. And and by the way, like when people hear me say this, like a lot of people, like I probably like 70, 80, 90% of people think I'm like, I'm crazy or like whatever. It's only like the, a few percent of like like-minded people such as yourself and, and like the, you know, people that actually like believe that like it, it may be possible. Right. And so the, the, the methodology behind that is like, if you, I, I think this quote was from, uh, it might've been Napoleon Hill, but the quote is that if you have the desire to achieve something, it therefore means you have the faculty and the ability to carry it out. And this is one of the things that I, I look to in regards to purpose, because a lot of people like either like claim their purpose or they feel it, but then they shoot themselves down. It goes through the conscious filter of our minds and they're like, oh, nope, that's impossible. That's not realistic, right? And so right now in regards to solving all the major world problems, like I don't even know what that, like I can't even imagine the things that that is gonna entail. It's gonna entail bringing together humanity it's because it, it's not going to be a matter of money. It's going to be a matter of bringing together humanity. And, and that's, that's a, that's a task <laughs> to say the least, right? Especially with how divided everyone is um, 90% of people they are focusing on what's missing and, and the lack and, and everyone's focusing on what's wrong. And so there's a massive stone that needs to be overturned in humanity. And then the elite self army, which is our public free Facebook group is just one little initiative we're taking to, to help, to help make that happen. Like we want to help people, develop into the elite versions of themselves, the versions of themselves that are capable of creating their dream business, their dream life, and creating the impact on the world that they know they're truly capable of. Mm. And within our coaching program itself, our mission is to help one, uh, 1 million entrepreneurs develop into their elite self. Because specifically, we know that if we can help 1 million ambitious, impact-oriented entrepreneurs develop into their elite self, so they're executing their vision that they're like impacting the world in the lane that they know they're truly capable of, whether it's giving back to their friends, their community, whether they want to help solve a world problem or, or give back in some way. We know that if, if we have a global army around the world, that is all 
spreading positivity, spreading light, impacting, setting the example, we know that we can create profound change. And there's already a lot of amazing people doing amazing things in the department of solving all the world's problems, both directly through charities and also just by setting the example. But it's certainly we, something we want to contribute to. And, and that's the mission of our coaching program. And it's also the mission of uh, our Elite Self Army. And uh, the Elite Self Army will also be a link in my uh, Instagram as well if people want to check it out. Yeah, and I'll make sure that's that's in the show notes. So it's an easy click away for people to find you. You know, Zach, um, in in taking on, um, you know, that's a compelling future, if you will. I think Tony Robbins would, would see your vision and go, that's <laughs> yeah. how you create success right, right there. There's a, another component outside of vision, and that is community, right? Mm. How have you been intentional about surrounding yourself with people that lift you up versus uh, not? Yeah, that's a great question, man. And this is honestly something that keeps a lot of people stuck as well, is they're, they're living in a city, they have the same friends that they arbitrarily became friends with through just sitting beside each other in class. And, and it's just like, now they find themselves in a circle that doesn't have the same vision, especially for those people that want to achieve something massive. Most people aren't really gonna resonate with that. And that's not to say that they aren't capable of something similar, it's just that they're not at that point yet in their journey, but you are, and you're doing yourself, you're doing your vision and you're doing the people that you can impact in a positive way through your vision, a disservice by continuing to spend all your time with them. And so one of the ways that I kind of, it kind of happened naturally for me, it was, it was kind of a natural process. I just drift, I kind of like stopped spending as much time with like the friends that I used to drink alcohol with and smoke weed with all the time. I just, I stopped spending as much time with those guys. Um, it, it just happened naturally. I just started spending time on my own. And then the first real time that I was introduced to, to a, a tribe of, of like-minded people was actually in Puerto Rico in 2021 for that first mastermind. I'm not sure if that was the one where you saw Kevin and That's I, or it might've been the Miami one. Yeah. That was like the first time when I was like really in proximity with a mentor, with like-minded people. And it was incredibly validating. I felt at home. I felt lit up. I felt like my cup was full and I, I realized how important it was to to have those influences like tony says proximity is power and the more you can put yourself in those rooms where you feel feel like you, you're meant to be there or even if you feel uncomfortable because everyone there is just so ahead of you those are the rooms you need to be in and i encourage you to get in those rooms as much as possible um just to, like to your audience and another component of this that i preach very very often is positive inputs positive inputs and this was something that i got started with fresh out of university in fact, I don't even know if I would have dropped out of university if it wouldn't have been for listening to Gary Vee on YouTube or listening to Andy Frisella, the MF CEO project back in those glory days. Like that, it started to plant seeds in my mind. So if you're a person right now who's maybe your inner circle isn't necessarily the caliber that you like it to be, start to brainwash yourself with the positive inputs of the most successful people dead and alive. They've condensed decades of wisdom, of strategy, of energy, of beliefs into pages or minutes worth of digestible content at your fingertips. So if you're sitting at home in, in your small town and you don't have anybody to look up to, start, start brainwashing yourself with those inputs because while it is less potent than being in proximity with that person, it still carries weight. It can still shift your thoughts, shift your energy, shift your behavior further into the type of person that you wanna become. And that can be a very, it's a useful catalyst along the way until you start getting in those rooms. So if you feel like you're, you're isolated right now, like 
yes, reconfigure your network, get a coach, get a mentor, <laughs> start networking, meet these people, go to masterminds. In the meantime, listen to podcasts, read books, start, start to upgrade yourself through those mediums as well. And this is something that I still utilize to a high level like today. I, list, I, I, I look at YouTube videos and podcasts often to continue fertilizing my mind, feeding my mind and, and maintaining momentum. Because as again, I'm going to quote Tony a lot. He's my main guy. But he says that if we don't plant flowers, weeds are going to grow in their place. And for a lot of people right now, they have some kind of spark inside them, but they're full of weeds. And so we need to separate ourselves from the sources that are actually planting the weeds or, or growing the weeds. We need to start planting flowers intentionally. New people, new positive inputs, and that could really help people out, in my opinion. Wow. Uh, I hope it, people are going to have to go rewind that a little bit. There <laughs> are about 27 bombs in there. One of them <laughs> uh, is important to me, and that is the word mentorship. How do you choose your mentors uh, today, and how has that improved over time? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've had, two, I've had, I guess, three different kind of formal mentors back to the positive inputs point i consider all these guys my mentors like a lot of people a lot of people view youtube and podcasts as like some kind of little like listen or whatever i'm like nah i'm talking to this this person is literally talking to me one-on-one right now face to face and they're giving me these golden nuggets so just on the mentor standpoint you don't have to pay thousands of dollars for a mentor it's like these guys are spitting fire for free you just need to respect it you need to imagine that you're paying 10 grand for this video and then implement it like you did. And then like, you can literally have access to the highest level strategy, mindset, beliefs, et cetera. You just need to respect it. But in regards of, and, and then men, positive inputs, mentors, the process that you, that you choose these people is, is based off of very simply just where you're at in life versus where you want to be, who you are versus who you want to become. So which of these people that are, because in today's society, everybody's a mentor, everybody's a coach, everybody's putting out this content with the captions, right, that are doing all this stuff. So the question must be answered. Why must I listen to this person? Whether it's a podcast or a mentorship, why must I, why, why should I give this person money? Like, why would I do that? So it's all coming down to have they produced the results that you want in their life. It seems simple, but a lot of people are listening to people that have no business talking about what they're talking about, right? So has that person created the body you want, right? If you're hiring a fitness coach, have they created the results for others proven over and over and over again? Do you resonate with who they are as a person? Or do you resonate with maybe why they're doing this or, or their mission or something of this nature? And I think that it comes down to just finding a person that you vibe with and then making sure that they have in their life what you want in yours. How is it the quality of their mindset, the quality of their finances, the quality of their body, the quality of their relationships? I think that no matter what area you're looking for a mentor in, they have to have these, these boxes covered. Because if, if you're looking for, if, if in my opinion, at least, like if you want a fitness coach, like if they don't have the relationships in order or if they don't have their own emotions in order or if they don't have their own finances in order, that there's a certain level of credibility that's missing because ultimately we're coming to these people for, for a better way of life. And so I think that they need these crucial boxes checked in order to, in order to really serve us at a high level. Yeah, that's that's exquisitely fair. And I would say mentorship is kind of like the next step who's the mentor that can mm. just help you with that? It doesn't have yeah. to be someone 10 levels up that you feel like you don't have access to or that you're unworthy. Mm. It's really yeah. just somebody to get you to the next step, right? Because a mentor is, is helping 
helping you by telling you what they did in hopes that you can model it, right? A coach, I think, helps you synthesize an answer to take action on. That's the difference. Mm. A, a mentor is a model. A coach is a, a synthesizer, if, if you will. At different times in your life, you might need one or the other or both, right? Mm -hmm. So um, choose them well. <laughs> yeah. they, they truly are the, a, a critical catalyst in moving you from point A to point B. So yeah, that was, that was brilliant. Um, last question I have for you is about your future. Um, so 2022 ended relatively short time ago, Zach, do you spend time at the end of the year reflecting back on, on the prior year? And then um, how do you create your vision for the year coming up? Um, after that process, if it occurs. Yeah. So reflection has been something that has become more and more important to me. And I actually made a post about it today saying that like, there's like certain pain that you experience in your past, certain mistakes, there are lessons and growth embedded in those instances in your life, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And they only remain painful if you, if, if you view them as happening in vain. As you view these mistakes or setbacks as just useless, inconvenient speed bumps, as opposed to saying, okay, what was life trying to show me there? What was life trying to teach me there? You can look at it from a macro level or a micro level over the course of this year. You could say, wow, this year is incredibly tough. Uh, am I just going to move on to this next year and saying like, oh, I hope this isn't another tough year. Or I'm going to look back and say like, this year was tough. What was life trying to show me here? What growth could I have experienced? What growth did I experience? What lessons did I learn? What lessons are still in the past that I need to look back and say, you know what? Life was trying to really teach me that there. I probably need to learn that before I actually move on to the next level. And unless I do, 2023 is probably going to be more of the same. And so I, I, I look at it from this way where I'm like, okay, what was I supposed to pull from 2022? What did this year do for me? And, and then I'm okay. Okay. This is the new version of myself. How am I going to apply this to 2023? And I also look at what did I do well? Because of course, as humans, we naturally focus on what's missing or what didn't go well, what we didn't achieve. So, you know, what am I grateful for this year? What did I do this year that I'm proud of myself for? In what ways can I pat myself on the back? And it, it helps generate some momentum heading into 2023 or whatever the next year is. When you focus on the evidence that you have moved forward, it helps you cultivate belief that you can, in fact, take the next step and achieve the next thing. And so I've had, a, I've had an interesting relationship with, uh, you know, setting goals, setting annual goals. Like this is my third year in, in real business. Like I mentioned, I tried a few things before that. I consider this like my third year in actual business. You could say five, but I say three. And, and through that, through the three years so far. So I've only had three at bats in regards of, you know, like setting new goals for the year and X, Y, Z. And it's I, like year to year, I'm, I've been a drastically different version of myself. And so this isn't a practice that what I'm saying isn't something that I've practiced for years. This is like literally the first year I did it because end of 2021, I, I can't even recognize that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's been a recent kind of thing for me where I'm like, okay, what lessons do I need to learn? What am I grateful for? And what am I going to do heading into this year? And in regards of like planning the next year, I have my North star. I have like solving all the world's problems. That's what helps get me out of bed. I Googled it yesterday. There are every 3.5 seconds, somebody dies of starvation and every second nine plus people die of uh, unclean drinking water. So now I'm sitting here every second that goes by another nine people die. I'm like, okay, 
my if my goal is to help solve every single world problem, I need to get moving. Like, what am I doing here? And so that this is my fuel. And I also have like certain goals regarding my lifestyle. And I want to like give back to my family. And I want to I want to have the life. I believe you can have both. There's a lot of there's a, just a quick side note. There's a lot of negative energy around being rich and being wealthy and, and creating that for yourself and also contributing. And this is a large per, uh, problem because a lot of people want this for themselves and want to contribute and want to gain capital so they contribute. But there's a deep belief embedded in our society that rich people are bad, that becoming rich means taking away from others. And, and that's a whole other thing. But I'm focused on both. I want to help solve all world problems. I want to inspire billions of people, but I also want to create a, a phenomenal lifestyle for myself and my family. And so this is like my, my governing kind of fuel that gets me up. And then in regards of coming back to your question, looking forward to 2023, what's within my control? Going back to this whole call, what are the, what are the areas of execution that, I can, that are within my control that nothing can get in the way of? My evening routines, my morning routines, my, my, my content, my content frequency, um, meetings with my team, growing my skills, growing my value to the marketplace. I know that if all these things are covered, then like whatever revenue goals and whatever growth will happen, but I need to focus on what's within my control. Again, looking up at the like end of each year or the end of each day or the start of each day. Okay. What's my North star, but boom, during the day, powerless, like, what am I going to do? What's within my control and making that my simple success metric each day. And I just focus on winning the day, winning the week. And then that obviously compounds to winning the year. And that's kind of like my methodology now. Yeah, that is, that is brilliant, Zach. Um, John Maxwell asked me one time in a coaching session, he said, what has been your greatest teacher over the last year? And, I, you know, cocky, I said, oh, well, my experiences. And he went, really? And then he, he had this long pause and I said, is, is there something else? He said, Edwin, he said, your greatest teacher is your evaluated experiences. Just the fact of going through it is not part of the equation. You have to do something with the wisdom that you learn from it. So that means you've got to go back and you've got to think into it. I was just like brain matter on the wall. I was like, oh, (laughs) wow, wow. No, I haven't had a good process of reviewing Mm. any of that to gain the insights that drive vision and tactic Mm. and strategy and just a a game-changing moment eight years ago when when he told me that so I appreciate it um when when you talk about it that way that you've got to think into these experiences Uh, you mentioned one thing I've seen you posting about recently and that's waking up really early in the morning Zach Uh, what are you doing with your your priming of your day that that has created this uh interest uh, online at least and about uh, it's instigating a lot of posts of pain from you about waking up at four four uh-huh. in the morning and you're barely awake but you're you're starting your day taking the picture yeah so it's it's interesting because i've fought back and forth with myself over my entrepreneurship uh journey so far about like okay like the sexy thing to do is wake up at 4 5 5 30 it's like ah, that's what the successful people do right and so I quickly realized that that isn't true. And we have people everywhere saying that that's not true. Mark Zuckerberg wakes up at eight. Like it's proven that it's not true. That like wake up time has minimal correlation with level of success. It's what you do during the hours you're awake that really add up. But I know what I do know is I value the early morning hours a lot more than I value the late night hours. Nothing productive for me at least ever happens past 8 p.m. <laughs> 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m. My brain's chalked out for the day. 
I'm, I'm checking out. Um, and really all I'm good for is, you know, watching Netflix or eating something. So <laughs> what's the point of really being up? And so I wake up at four 30 and a lot of people, it's really practical. If you have a family or if you're living in a household with other people, you can wake up at that time to really kind of get some, some undisturbed, um, grind time in, whether it's a workout or work or whatever you got for me, I just know that level of discipline that I'm, I'm capable of. I know that the future version myself, he is going to have like right now, my schedules, like it's very malleable. I can kind of do whatever, like I can make my schedule, whatever I want. But I know as I start to step into these more big boy territories and, and, you know, grow my company and like help solve all the world's problems, there's going to be a lot of obligations on my plate. I want to prepare myself. Now I want to adopt the schedule of the elite version of myself. Now I, and this is a concept that all of the, the main guys have said, you need to taste your dreams. You need to touch your dreams. You can't just leave it as this foreign concept and some notion in your future. You need, to, you need to derive as many elements from your future as you can now, because now is all we ever have. If we leave it as some notion in the future, it will never happen. We'll die with it still being in our future. So we need to, we need to create it now. So as much as I can, I try to show up as and execute my day as this version myself. And so this involves waking up at 4.30. Currently for me, in regards to morning routines, I, 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 I never like say like, this is the morning routine somebody should do. Like everyone is different. And I think that everybody should experiment with what serves them the most, whether it's some combination of reading, meditation, journaling, cold shower. Um, maybe it's getting straight to work. Like Homozi, Alex Homozi is a big proponent of just getting straight to work, right? So I, there's no right or wrong there. I, right now, I just do a, a, a syntax of, of habits that serves me at a high level right now. It could change a month from now or six months from now, but this is what it is right now. So 4.30 and by the way, a lot of people, like I get a lot of responses to these stories. I, I take the picture at 4.30 a.m., right? And people are like, oh, how do you do that? That's so hard, blah, blah, blah. Here's, here's the thing. There's nothing inherent about, there's nothing inherently hard about waking up at 4.30 until you over-caffeinate yourself, until you don't go to bed on time, until you don't put your screens away on time, until you lack discipline in your evening routine, until you like eat right before bed, right? So all you need to do is do the right things because a good morning starts with a good night. So putting your phone away, stop eating a few hours before bed, put the screens away, start dimming the lights, start to wind down, make sure you crush your work earlier in the day so your mind's still not spinning right before you go to bed. There's a certain success formula. It's a science to a certain extent. And so if you do those things properly, it's, it's, it's easier. And the times where it's really tough for me, I didn't check off those boxes right before bed. And so instead of saying, ah, 4.30 is too hard, I'm gonna be like, no, I'm capable of completely dialing my evening routine. I'm going to hold myself to that standard and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, until I get it, until it becomes easy for me, I'm, I'm going to keep on attacking this. And so that's just a little side point about early wakeups, but what I do immediate cold shower, um, I do 60 seconds at least, um, which isn't that long, to be honest, the shower, the quick side note I have here, the shower here is ridiculously cold. It's like, I can't even put it on. It's like, it's like way colder than any shower I've ever been in my entire life. It's like a freezing cold lake and it's, I, so I can only put it on a, one part of my body for like 10, five, 10 seconds before I got to switch, but either way, 60 seconds, cold shower. And then I meditate for at least 10 minutes. I, 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 what, and the meditation is whatever I'm feeling. Sometimes I do wave off. Sometimes I just do like 10 minutes of breathing. Sometimes I do like a guided meditation, whatever I'm feeling. And it's just like helps center myself for the day. Um, it, 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 it's also reinforces delayed gratification. What's the first thing we want to do when we wake up, look at our phones, screen give ourselves a good old dopamine like douse, right? So this, this is a statement to myself. No, I'm in control of my day. 
I'm preventing this from happening right now. And it, it's just, and there's also like a thousand other benefits to meditation, but that's one of the reasons I do it. And then I go into a, a little journaling session where I write, and this is similar to meditation. It's whatever I feel like I need. Sometimes I write down I, I, uh, beliefs that I'm moving away from, like gain, gaining clear awareness around my limiting beliefs. And then I replace those with the, the antithesis, the beliefs that I want to continue to adopt. I might write down some goals. I might write down uh, some gratitudes and something of this nature, just like, just like empty out my brain, kind of like, just like train tracks, like putting my brain on the right track for the day gratitudes focusing what's good what am i going to achieve how can i make this day great as opposed to just letting letting the tail wag the dog i'm like i'm i'm, I'm training my mind to go down a certain path and then i i might look at some visualizations on youtube i have this and by the way speaking of positive inputs if your audience wants to check out my youtube channel i have a i have several public playlists that could benefit them i have a a playlist i call mentor teachings which is just an accumulation of YouTube videos I've, I've found very useful in my own journey over the years. So there's Tony, there's probably a little bit of John in there. There's Andy Frisello, there's Tim Bilyeu, there's, there's Grant Cardone, there's, there's all the guys, just videos I found useful. So if your audience is like, okay, positive input sounds great. Where do I start? You can start there if you like, or you can just start on YouTube, whatever floats your boat. And I also have a public playlist of lifestyle visualizations. I primarily, I primarily just use this for myself, but anyone's free to, to check it out. It's public, but it has like house, uh you know videos like house like like mansion like miami beach mansions and and like compilations and things like this lifestyle visualization so i look at that each morning too and it's not the most meaningful part of my north star right helping to solve all the world's problems but it, it's up there so it helps get me going in the right direction it helps me also imagine myself in that situation and it helps me then step into that higher level version of myself heading into the day like i said you have to you have to step into this version of yourself in order to actually create it and so th this helps me kind of get the mindset. How does that version of Zach think? How does he act? How does he feel? What does he, what does he do? What is he thinking about? What's his paradigm, right? And so that helps me step into that. And then I do 30 minutes to an hour of reading uh, slash learning. This could be through a book, audiobook, some kind of program, something that I feel like is, is high leverage for my development right now or high leverage for my clients, some value I can build within myself. And then I, 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 and I take notes and I, and I, and then I apply it to, to whatever it is, my life. I say like, okay, so if I'm learning about beliefs, I'm like, how does this apply to my beliefs? What can I look at here? If I'm looking at some type of method to help a client. Okay. How, what clients have I helped in the past? How could I have done this? And I try to at least plot, apply some, some form of what I'm learning and, and think about how it applies to my life. Because I've, I've been through the, the chapter of my life where I just read for the sake of reading and just, oh, I'm reading 10, 20 pages per day, but my retention is like 5%. So what's the point? So now I'm, I'm more intentional about reading and I could read two pages for the day and that'd be a success if I actually like got my mind around some type of nugget. I'm like, okay, I can use this. So, and then I, and then I get into work for the day, start crushing my power list for the day. So Incredible. that's what I get. Well, I love the way you prime your day, man. I think it, um, not only your day, but your, your evening. I think that is something mm -hmm. that, that we've gotten in a bad habit of. And I think COVID was part of that, but I think generationally we've we've gotten into some bad habits and and mm. lost the value of priming. So kudos to you for shining that, Zach. What an incredible conversation! Thank you. Uh, I I don't know how to say it any other way, but thank you. You you I, I I think what speaks to the character of the man is that you answered the request. And there are so many people mm. with tens and thousands of followers, such as yourself, who I don't think care about the people that mm. they serve well enough to communicate and you do. And I appreciate 
whenever I message you, you respond in some shape, form or fashion, and that matters. So thank mm -hmm. you for that. Thank you for saying yes. And thank you for adding tremendous value to the, to the aesthetics of leadership tribe. My absolute pleasure, man. I mean, if, if even one of your audience today is shifted a little bit, it will be a completely a complete success in regards of use of my time. And even if not, it's, it's always nice to have a, a wonderful conversation with a gentleman like yourself. It's uh, it's it's wonderful connect. It's obvious that you're spreading light yourself in your own world. I, I, I recognize your energy and it's awesome, man. So and, and you're crushing it. I'm glad you found your purpose. And uh, and yeah, man, I'm in full support of your journey. And uh, if I can ever help you out in any way, shape or form, never hesitate to reach out, man.